Now rocking with the best. Only two things can get you through this, man. Patience and persistence. Work harder than everyone. Be patient and just know that if you're gonna do something on your own, you're gonna have to feel some pain. You're only the boss if you put up your own money. If you don't put up your own money, I don't care how much somebody gives you. You're nothing but a supervisor. It's not yours. It, it takes fearlessness to be first. You know, to not move with a crowd, to move alone. I stopped living according to what people wanted me to do. I started living according to what actually made me happy. If you're not happy, change your life. Allow me to reintroduce myself. The Culture Talks Podcast with your host, Carlos Stutzer. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is your boy, C-I-Z-Z-Y, your day live action, Kansas City, Missouri. And we are back again with another episode of the Culture Talks podcast, where we jump on and talk to dope creatives of color, dope entrepreneurs and businessmen and women of color, and just try to have some conversations that not only inspire the listeners, but also provide a look into the lives of the people that you're a fan of or the lives of the people that you follow. Um, I, I find it funny that we spend a lot of time on social media following people, but we really don't know anything about them besides what they post. So this is really just an opportunity for you guys to tap in with our guest today. Um, and with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce herself. Hello, everyone. My name is River. Um, I am a artist and organizer in Kansas City. Um, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. I know I told you before the show started, but we'll go ahead and tell you again. We're grateful to have you here. Um, all of our listeners are, you know, as I told you before, a lot of them requested for you. So this is one of the, one of the, I think only one of two episodes out of like 60 some episodes I've done where people have actually been requested to be on the show so Ooh, you, okay. you, are, you are amongst a select few um, hey. <laughs> with that being said my first question of the day is do you know the story behind why you were named River uh I do it's not really like one singular story um my mom she was kind of a hippie back in the day and she liked the name. She told me she liked River Phoenix, the actor. And so it's kind of some of that. Um, and then my middle name is actually Mackenzie. Uh, and that's what I use on like my art uh, persona. Um, and so there was a river in Oregon that's named Mackenzie River. And so my mom just like flipped it around and went with it. I like that. I like that. It's always good to know like the stories behind people's names because like, feel like names are just so <clears throat> sometimes they can be so general like oh that's just what I call you but they don't have any like story or message behind it because nobody asks but every name has a story or a message behind it but people just don't go out of their way to ask that question so gotta ask um and speaking of you know young river and you know being born um what were you like as a kid like if you could best explain who you were as a kid or what your interests were or what you like to do how would you do that um, I was a super bubbly kid. Um, I was super involved in church growing up. And so I was a part of drama teams and worship teams and stuff like that. Um, I'm the baby of six on my mom's side. And so I grew up having a lot of siblings and all of my siblings are super, um, expressive and loud and crazy and everything. Um, so I definitely, uh, spent a lot of time around other people 
always been into art in whatever form I could get into it. Um, we moved around a lot. So church was really like the center of all of that. Um, so yeah, I, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> No, so I was going to say, um, <clears throat> speaking of other forms of art, like when you were a kid, were you dancing? Were you writing music? Were you doing poetry? Was there anything um, aside from painting or drawing that you did that was still in the, in the, in the realm of art or artistic? Yeah, um, so I sang in like school and I sang outside of school. Uh, I was in like theater programs inside of school and outside of school. Um, I like to, I mean, I get into all for like any kind of art that I can. Um, I did a lot of ceramics when I was in high school. I was really into that. Um, shoot. Honestly, everything. That's amazing though. Like, yeah. I didn't write music or anything like that, but I've always like admired music. So. Yeah. I feel like being... <clears throat> like not restrictive in the art you do allows you to truly express yourself to the fullest like sometimes we get like locked into doing only one type of art feeling like oh this is my lane let me stay in my lane but it's like nah like you can enter other lanes you just got to make sure there ain't no traffic right there you know what I'm saying <laughs> like yeah. but aside from that you can like jump in other lanes because I feel like you know how one might express themselves through music or poetry might be a little bit different than how they express themselves through drawing or painting um, or, or dance. So I always find it really interesting to learn about what creatives do outside of what they're known for. Like when I go to your, when I go to your page, I'm like, oh, super dope painting, like able to draw like sick, but like, like you just mentioned, you were involved in theater, you were involved in, um, singing, you were like, so it's always dope. To, it's always dope to know. Um, <clears throat> speaking of early childhood, what's your most favorite and most vivid memory from when you were a kid like think of there might be a lot but think of one memory that's like super vivid from your childhood and is one of your favorite stories to tell or maybe your just a favorite memory in general um geez there are so many <laughs> had to put you on the spot you feel me <laughs> yeah that's a lot <laughs> dang i wasn't even i was thinking about what kind of questions you might ask but that was that was <laughs> Uh shoot. One of my favorite memories. Um it's like a favorite memory because it's nostalgic, but like in retrospect, it's not a favorite because it's like an ideal situation. Um, but I me and my siblings lived in this place called TV Walk-ins when I was little. And we were part of the Boys and Girls Club. And there was like a little community room center or whatever that we were able to uh, like use and shit like that. And so it's like a favorite memory, but it's also traumatizing because they like themed a party after the movie Beetlejuice. And I had like a really weak stomach and they forced me to watch the movie. And so I was like terrified in mm. that moment. Um, but like, I was also just with all my siblings kicking it and it's just like one of those moments or places and times where I like revert back to when I'm like craving, you know, that like just nostalgic feeling or like childhood feeling. 
Hell yeah. Hell yeah. But I do have a question. What is uh what is the movie Beetlejuice about? Or what is what is that? Um honestly, I couldn't even tell you because after that time I never watched it again. <laughs> I just yep. remember that it was like gross and there was bugs and it was scary to me. I was terrified, like I literally I don't remember the movie. I just remember the way that it was set up. I remember them like we had like gummy worms and all different like fucking bug candy and shit like that and stuff they made. And it, it just fucked with my stomach. I don't know if they like knew that it was going to mess with me like that, but they were all just like poke at me and that shit was crazy. That is definitely a memory that you remember though. So, hey. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> one of my memories too. Like that shit was crazy. <laughs> that shit was crazy. That sounds crazy. It sounds like I'd probably feel a little queasy as well. I'm not a fan of bugs. And then like having like bug candy with like a creepy bug show. Yeah. That ain't. Yeah. That, that, that definitely sounds creepy. Um, yeah, but like we had bad experiences with bugs, so you know, like niggas was not trying to just be around bugs like that. Ever, ever, ever. Hey, shout, hey, shout out to if Solomon listens to this. Solomon love bugs. I know you with the bugs. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you you keep that over there on that side. But we respect that. We we respect the movement. You know what I'm saying? Nah, I mean I fuck with bugs now. Let me like I, set I straight. Oh, bugs tell me, tell me more. But I see, I still can't do bugs like. Bugs are just not here for me. Anytime a bug gets close to me, I freak out. I'm like, nah. And my mom always like gets on my head about it because my family's from Africa and they be having like big ass cockroach, flying cockroaches and scorpions and stuff. And I'm like, look, oh, nah, mess with it. Them. <laughs> bugs, no, can't do that. Hey, flying cockroaches was like my limit. I was like, yep, I'm good. I don't need to see flying cockroaches the size of my thumb. Nah. Yeah. I bow out. I bow out on that. Um, but when did you start? Like, so I know you said you <clears throat> have always been artistic, but do you have any early memories of when you started getting really serious with painting? Um, I would say that I got like really serious with painting in 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I would just I didn't give a fuck about what kind of products I was using or like the quality of it it was just about getting it out um and then I I went to school for a year after I graduated high school and then I came back home um and it was like that weird I only went for a year because I was not feeling that shit but uh, I came back home and it was like that weird year of my life where I was just like I'm supposed to be in college I was in community college but um I don't know, I was just in like a weird, stagnant kind of place, I felt like. Um, and so I just started visit. I go to uh, Artist Craftsman and Supply in Crossroads. And I kind of just got addicted to that store and I just got into using different products and uh, materials and different types of paints and stuff like that. Um, and then it just kind of went from there. So when you did go to school, what were you planning on going to school for? Um, I actually went to a Bible college in Boston. Oh, sick. Um, I thought I was going to be a missionary and um, travel and stuff. So, artist missionary. Aside from aside from like the studies, how was your experience in Boston? Uh, it was cool. In retrospect, I feel differently than how I did then. Um, I don't even want to believe how long it's been. That makes me feel hella old. 
but um, it was interesting. I lit, like the school was in this town called Haverhill and it was like 30 minutes outside of Boston. So it's like fucking Grandview niggas versus Casey, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I didn't spend a lot of time like in the downtown city of Boston, which I wish I would have in retrospect. Um, but I mentally was not in a good place when I was up there. Um, so there was a lot of things that I missed out on experiencing because I was just like so wrapped up in my head. Okay. So would that be like a place that you'd like to go back and visit or spend some time in in the future? Or are you like, you know, and, and even outside of Boston, is there any places or cities that you really want to like create in or spend time creating in? Um, maybe not live there, because I know that's a strong question. There's a lot of things to consider, but are there any specific cities that you think would inspire you to just want to create? Definitely. Uh, I, Despite my experiences up there at the school, I do have uh, some friends that I'm close to. Um, and so I'll always have a connection uh, with Boston just because of them. And it is a cool city. I would like to go up there and explore and get more involved in like the art culture that's happening up there. Um, is definitely different than the Midwest. I'm not crazy about the East Coast. I, I mean, I love it and I love the art that comes from it and the culture and stuff, but I feel like Midwest and West Coast is more my speed. Um, I wanna go everywhere. I wanna create like in every city and state that I possibly can. Um, Twitter has like opened up a world of artists from all over the place that I never would have like known about um I definitely want to be in Miami Art Basel I want to have like a whole fucking shoot a seven room studio filled with all my art Bye. Um, yeah I want to go fucking New York I'm trying to have a gallery up there like a pop-up shop um honestly everywhere I think about moving to other cities just for like a temporary amount of time, just to kind of like get myself out there and meet more people and experience the art industry outside of Kansas City, just cause it's so, as as much as we are growing and progressing, we're also not at all. Um, so I know that we're really behind on the curve when it comes to supporting artists and like, you know, being an artist and just trying to have opportunities that are worth it in the sense of the art world and business and shit. So I want to go everywhere, <laughs> internationally and uh, here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And aside from Boston, so you've only been in Kansas City in terms of living Kansas City and then in that year in Boston, but yet to to hit LA or Miami, correct? Yeah. Lit, lit. Hey, well, listen, I want to manifest out loud that you will have plenty of galleries over the next 10 years across Miami, LA, and New York City. We already know yeah. you're going to you're gonna lock down Chicago in the very coming years because we're so close to Kansas City, so, or so close being in Kansas City. Um, but I do want to talk about that. Have you held any, like, galleries or open galleries here in Kansas City yet? I have. We're actually coming up on the one-year anniversary of my first solo show. Hey. Um, Entirely fucking executed by me. I was the the everything. Um, 
<laughs> she it said was, that was the everything. Yeah, like I said, <laughs> every job that comes into it, and that shit gave me a whole different outlook and appreciation for like the different roles that there are in the art world. Um, Cause curating alone is a whole job. Like, Yeah, can you dive into that a little bit though? Like what are some of the roles? Like say somebody was to put an art show together with a team, like say you didn't mm-hmm. have to do it by yourself. Like who is gonna be needed on that team? Like who who are you looking to, like who's who's helping book the venue? Like who's, who? like how do you find the venue? How do you, what does it mean to curate an art show? Like, can you talk a little bit about the different roles? Yeah, um, I think it depends on the type of person that you are. Um, because I do one mic stand and I do organizing and stuff like that, I kind of enjoy doing being both the artist and the organizer, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's nice to just get to be the artist because a lot of times, I mean, not even a lot of times, most times, uh, artists have 10 million things going on in their brain at one time right. and so like it never fails <laughs> no matter how much I prepare like the day before or the day of I find myself scrambling having to get 20 different things in order like that should have been done already or that I thought I had prepared but then I changed my mind um, so definitely I would recommend at least having one person to help you just kind of organize your thoughts. Um, But you definitely need a, I would say just like an assistant. I don't know the official names other than a curator, but um, like a direct director of operations, I guess, who could book the venue for you and like be the person who's uh, contacting people that you want to work with or whatever. And this is also dependent on the scale that you're trying to do it. For my show, I was lucky enough to uh, know someone who had a venue that they opened up to me to use, Um, Kendall from Happy Apple Cafe. I don't know if you've heard of them, RIP to Happy Apple, but shout out Kendall. Um, He opened up the space for me to do it and he just kind of gave me creative freedom to do what I wanted. Um, But a curator is someone who um, decides which pieces can fit into a show and then like where they can be placed throughout the show to enhance the overall experience. Um, and I'm sure it has something to do with selling it. Uh, but yeah, so someone who could do that because also as an artist, like one, it takes so much time to measure, uh, especially if you only have the venue for like one day or if it's only for like a month. Um, and it just relieves a lot of pressure from yourself uh and then uh having like crew members would be nice or is nice uh my boyfriend Alex is always he just has to be my crew member regardless. <laughs> it's like an assigned job it comes with it uh and then I have friends who are always willing to just help I want my team they're always just down to help so I love it. I love it. And how did that show go? Like, what were some things that you enjoyed about it? And what are some maybe learning insights that you grabbed from it? Uh, It was a really good show. I have a tendency to, and even with the open mic, like, just, I'm thinking about everything that goes into the event or into whatever is happening at that moment. And it's all like running through my head simultaneously. And so I struggle sometimes to remain present and just be grounded in what's happening. So that's one, like, I mean, and that, 
noticed that about myself and other things, but that was one of the takeaways that I have for it because I, there was so much of the night where all I remember was just me freaking out about like, what well, wasn't done yet. I didn't have like the little cards with the price and the name and all that stuff put up in time and people were showing up before I, before I was ready for them to and I was just freaking out. Uh, here comes Alex now. Come join Alex, come join. Interview. We'll call us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was just freaking out wasn't in the moment. So that was something that uh, was a negative takeaway. But uh, other than that, I was really, really like happy with myself. I was really proud of how everything came together. Um, it didn't officially have a name. That's something that is kind of notorious about me and my work is that I don't really name things. Um, if you see that something's named, it's either because a gallery asked me to name them or because I really was just feeling a name for it. Um, most of the time it's the first one though, because I really just don't, a lot of my work is a lot of things in one. And so it's hard to just name it. Tile it or put it in a box in, in, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, the show was really successful. I was really proud of myself. I definitely underestimated like how much I would sell. And that's another weird part about being an artist is just like commodifying it. Cause sometimes like there's a level of attachment that I have to a piece just because of what it what it represents or what I was expressing with it. Um, and so it was more of like having Alex and my family like push me to like really pursue my art that gave me the fire and the push to do it because really I just kind of would sit on it. Because um, Selling art is such a weird exchange for me. I think it should be weird for everybody, but I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, it was good though. Um, I still have, I'm actually looking at the last couple of pieces that I still have from that show because I sold a lot of originals. Um, but yeah, and I experimented with like something that I want to do with my work uh, on a large scale. And it's like sensory art therapy, because um, I I really admire texture. Define um, that real quick, though. What that means? Um, it's like ASMR. It's just textured so that it can. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It just enhances the overall experience. I know I said enhance already. Let me grab one so I can show you. You could. Yeah. So I don't know if you're gonna ah, really okay. Yeah. But it's just different textures throughout the whole the whole out the art piece. Yeah, yeah, that's fire. Yeah. Okay. How do you do like like how do you even create that? Like how do you make the 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 <clears throat> I guess the paint or or I I'm assuming that's paint. How do you make it like be like stand out from the canvas? Um, a lot of it, I just have a bunch of different tools or like little random things that I use. One of them's like a cake tool. Um, and I just move it. Interesting. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. 
And you, you started to talk about commodifying art or monetizing your art. So for artists who are coming up right now who maybe just started tapping into their their, their passion and um, they're, they're really starting to double down and they're creating a lot, how would you suggest someone goes about monetizing their artwork, selling their artwork? Like, where do they start? Do they hit up galleries? Do they hit up freaking Nelson Atkins? Like, do they, what do they do? Do they go on Instagram and start posting on Instagram and try to sell on there? Like, what would you suggest a new artist does to start, you know, monetizing off of their art? Uh, I think that um, definitely just like posting yourself and putting yourself out there is always good. Um, the way that any business works is like a namesake or popularity. Um, so really just putting yourself out there so that people can know who you are. And if that means like posting yourself or going to like organizations and businesses and just introducing yourself and letting them know what you do. Um, I think it's important. I mean, uh, there's a cliche that like your family and friends will be the first ones to not support you. And I guess that's true, but it's also not because I feel like those people aren't really your family and friends if they're not going to do that. But like my family and friends support me um, in what I do. And also people be broke. But anyways, um, I think starting with your family and friends and just trying to like sell. I mean, it's true. People do be broke. I think we like too hard. I know people spend money, but also like people are broke and we just need to be. That's facts. Hey, I'm one of them. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, hey, I'm in a financial transition too. Yeah. Like that's one of the things about the whole, like black people be like, black owned don't mean discounted or like being my family member don't mean you get a discount. And I understand that you should pay, you should pay full price. But we also don't be talking about the other end of that conversation where like black owned businesses be overpricing things. And like, it's like this weird, I'm not gonna say gaslighting because I'm pretty sure that's the incorrect term for whatever this is, but it's almost like guilting black people into wanting to spend money on your stuff just because you're black owned, but it's like really pricing that way too high. You know what I mean? And it's not, yeah. anyway, that's a whole nother. Yeah, no, you kind of, it kind of like, it kind of like, uh, <clears throat> reminded me of like people like black people talking bad on black people's like health issues like y'all need to stop eating all this sugar and all this but it's like yo bruh I live in the middle of a food desert and all the all the all the food that is you know considered appropriate to eat or good for my health might be a little bit more challenging to access um but see it's like yeah you should be eating better but it's also not that easy I'm not put in a circumstance to to you know just have it like that so I feel you I definitely feel you yeah, but to what you asked, definitely putting yourself out there. Um, I'm still learning myself, like how to go about trying to get myself represented in galleries and stuff like that. I'm really stubborn. Um, there, like a lot of art spaces and industries are a lot of uppity, unrelatable white people. Mm -hmm. And that like because it's something that's so personal and intertwined with every part of my being it's hard for me to like switch on a business mode for it and be like okay like I'm River the Artist selling this art product you know what I mean and that's yeah. why like having roles and having like an agent or someone who can represent you uh is ideal because sometimes it's hard to make that distinction between like the artist and the business you know yeah, no, that's super important. And 
And like, I think something that all like creatives kind of face is like, they're like, yo, I'm hustling on this art and I love doing it. I'm hustling, but it's very difficult. Like you said, very difficult to just switch to business mode. Cause that's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a marketer. Like what I do is I make art. Like I'm not a salesperson, a marketer. I'm not a brand specialist. Like, no, bro, I, I'm an artist. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that you can't be all those things, but it is a lot of pressure, you know? And so it's like, I don't have time to do all that because I'm trying to create art pieces. You know what I'm saying? So I think yes. that's I think that's important. And I think for like people who are listening right now, if you're kind of this is one thing I wanted to suggest to people is like if you are if you're trying to find your way, but you you're creative, but you're trying to find your way into like whatever you're interested, create creatively, whatever you're interested in, but you're just like in limbo. One thing you can start doing just to like get experience and then also just help out your friends and family or whoever in your your squad is a creative is start helping them on that aspect of things like it, like start studying business, start studying marketing, and then like try to help your friends. Like if your friend is doing artwork, but you feel like their brand should be bigger, like learn how to help build their brand. If you ain't doing nothing, <laughs> like, like figure out how you can be a part of the team, but you got to like get your own information. And once you start helping your, your community out and your friends out, you start to learn more about what you are good at and what you might be interested in. And then you can, you know, you know let you know move away and go into whatever realm you're trying to go into that was a little bit of a blabber i don't know if that made sense but nah, i feel you i definitely think it's important that people remember that like there is no limitation with art and so it's not like you don't have to brand yourself as an artist or a creative in order to like explore and mm. enjoy you know what i mean like yeah. everyone is made for everyone and it's the like there you don't have to be good at it and you don't have to figure out how to market it like some of the fucking most iconic artists in the world are people who just were themselves and other people labeled them something you know what i mean so i feel like at the core of everything that you're doing like as long as you're doing it to truly just express who you are like yourself you don't have to worry about any of the other shit yep, you know like all true. of it comes to you just for you that's real. That's real. So I do want to ask you, uh, what sparked the idea to create one mic stand? Like, how did that come about? Um, and what was the inspiration behind it? Um, so I used to work at the Nelson Atkins Art Museum when I was in high school. Um, I was a teen guide. And then I was like on this program called TAG. Um, shout out to TAG and Molly and all the people y'all type uh so we used to host open mics there at the museum um and it was definitely a different crowd um i had like lived all over kansas city and i knew a lot of people through school and through church and just extracurricular activities and stuff like that uh, but working at the museum like i was exposed to a whole different side of artists and creatives in the city um so that definitely like opened up uh, like ideas for me about it. Uh, but I was in high school and I was like set to go to college. So I didn't really like think much about it. I just went to Boston. And then when I came home, um, it was 2016. And I just like, me and my mom was living in this apartment in Northeast and I was just working. Where was I even working? I think I was working at the view in Grandview again. Um, Cause I had worked there in high school and then I left. But anyways, I was working at the view back then. 
Oh my God, that was the perfect opportunity for you to use that. And then I had to ruin it by being cheesy. That's a dang lyric, if you didn't know. Shout out Southside Dang. But um, I was working at The View, just not really feeling nothing out of life. I was just like, eh, like school was a dub. Like, I don't, I hadn't really, I fell out of touch with my high school friends and I was just kind of lonely, whatever, you know, I was sad. Um, and my Pablo, the guy who owns a Waze, which is now Escobar KC, um, he is a lifelong family friend. Uh, he's like my dad. So I had talked to him about it and he was like, yeah, like if you want to do it, go ahead. And so um, once again, Alex came through with the assist and pushed me to like go with the idea. And so in November of 2017, we planned it. And then in December, we hosted it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And what has been maybe your favorite thing about hosting that event the past few years? Like what's like, what's the most like, I don't know if wholesome is the right word. What's the most like fulfilling thing about hosting that event? Uh, definitely. Jeez. The most fulfilling thing, I guess, would just be like the atmosphere that has been like created from it, that it just is now. Um, like it's something that is just like blossomed into this, this uncontainable thing. Um, I like that. It's, yeah, it's kind of hard to like articulate into words because it's, it's just so much bigger than any word I think could completely embody what it is. Um, but I guess I would just have to say the connections that have been made, like that I've made with people and that people have been able to make with each other. Um, everybody, Kansas City is so small anyways that everybody was separated by two degrees off top. Um, but I think that like one Mike Stan KC and what it, you know, has been, there was definitely like a shift in uh, the culture, like the art culture here and how people work together. Um, so just the evolution of, I guess, is the best, most rewarding part. Yeah, the process, the journey is always the most beautiful thing to like watch unfold because you don't know where it's going, but you're kind of just appreciating like the experience and being involved in it and for you like hosting and creating it i'm sure those emotions are much greater so that's super fire um i do want to say we're running we're running down on time but i am greatly appreciative of you jumping on this episode today i do have one final question for you before we hop off today and that question is if it was your final day on earth and you're like 110 years old and you're like sitting in a chair and your great grandkids are sitting at your feet and all the artwork and all the videos and all the content that you put out over the past hundred years has to leave earth with you. And you now have to leave your great grandkids with one piece of advice that, that they'll remember you by one piece of advice on how to live life. What would you tell them? Um, I would tell them to create without compromise to be kind but not take no shit and fuck the police.
<laughs> that is exactly what I would tell them. That's what I would want to leave behind. That was an amazing. That was an amazing <laughs> end to this podcast. Um, there was so many, so much more that I wanted to talk to you about River that we're gonna have to do a follow up interview. Interview whether it's an IG live or whether it's over Zoom again. But I do want to say thank you again. Can you please let the people know where they can find you on IG? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at River McKenzie Young. R I V E R M A K E N Z I Y O U N G. I know it's long, but it's cute. Um, or you can follow me at well, my think I see you should follow both because they're both tight. So, yeah, amazing, amazing. All right, well, thank you so much for the conversation today. I appreciate you, and I know the listeners appreciate you. So, sending you lots of love. Bye, thank you, love y'all too. Peace. <laughs>